Former Inquisitor Castian Saya settles into the new normal as a mere passenger aboard the shipping vessel commanded by Laris. As a new quest appears on the horizon, smooth sailing is interrupted by an unwelcome guest. Castian, you are in the Imperial Palace. After years of training, years of sacrifice and hard work and embarrassments and successes, this is the final test. This is the moment you have been training for. This is the moment when you come face to face with Lord Vader. A young Castian Saya stands near the wall, and that egotistical streak that Castian Saya is known for diminishes a little bit as soon as that man, that force of nature, exits the elevator and enters the middle of the room. Castian shoots a look towards Tremaine, trying his best to look brave and ready, but completely failing. The only solace is that you are not the only one who is failing to look brave, for two other potential Inquisitors are about to face Lord Vader as well. You don't know either of their names. They trained separately from you. But there is an olive-skinned, older human woman. She has a streak of white in her dark hair. The few times that you have met her, you've never heard her say a word. The other is a stout Imrusian man with chalky white skin. He is about your age, and you have seen him in training before. He specializes in investigation more so than combat. Castian nods his head. It's an elderly woman and a man who would rather be behind the desk. He will impress Lord Vader. I will impress Lord Vader. And then Castian raises his chin, takes a step forward, trying to show that he is not afraid. He is ready. Begin. And Lord Vader activates his lightsaber. Castian hesitates. Something he told himself that he would not do the moment given the chance to fight Vader. But he does. And in your moment of hesitation, the elderly woman steps forward. Brave, brash, though her eyes betray a hint of fear as she just charges at Vader, who simply holds up a hand and she stops in her tracks. He waves his hand to the side, and she crashes down to the floor. Me and the other Inquisitor, we kind of lock eyes, and he gives me a slight nod, and I follow suit. And our crimson blades activate, and we let out a howl of anger and whatever the dark side is feeding us. And we charge forward together, hoping to pincer him, maybe. Lord Vader simply stands still, waiting for the two of you to attack. He holds up his hand once again, and the Amrusian not only stops, but is raised a couple of feet off the floor, while Lord Vader holds out his lightsaber to meet your blade. I slam into him with everything I have, only for him to just throw his arm forward, and his blade just it almost feels like if a lightsaber could cut through another lightsaber blade, mine would have been destroyed instantaneously. But instead, he kind of slams 
the blade back and upwards so the hilt actually comes forward and slams me in the nose, making me stumble away. And I crash onto my ass, hearing a slight chuckle from the audience around me, which fuels my anger again, and I dive forward, trying to go for Lord Vader's feet. Vader sees your strategy and drops right in front of you the Amrusian that he'd been holding up off of the floor, blocking your path. Cassian deactivates his blade just in time, but he still nicks the guy across the knee. Not enough to do permanent damage, but it's going to weaken him. And they both stumble to their feet. They kind of shoot each other a glance. This is not a camaraderie thing anymore. Now they're just angry at each other. They activate their blade again, and then they attack both. One goes high, one goes low, and again, Vader just expertly just bats us away. And this goes on for... 10 seconds of us just swinging like kindergartners fighting a Kodiak bear. It's almost embarrassing. But the elderly woman, she spots an opening. She sees that Lord Vader is focused on the two upstarts in front of him. And she believes that with her advanced wisdom, that she can make an attack of opportunity. You see out of the corner of your eye, she is stalking behind Lord Vader. Lightsaber held at the ready, but deactivated, so that she doesn't have any telltale sounds giving away her presence. Castian lets out a howl of anger, trying to cause as much noise as possible to distract Vader. He knows that even if he doesn't get the killing blow on Vader, just being part of a group that hurts Vader would be enough to make his name known in the Inquisition. Vader continues to block and parry, block and parry, And you begin to wonder, is he toying with you? But before you can act on that question, the woman strikes. She comes running at Vader, activating her lightsaber at the last second. And as she leaps to try to stab him in the back with her lightsaber, Vader once again reaches up with his hand, physically grabbing her this time, not relying on the force, and pitches her forward directly over his shoulder, directly at you, Castian. Her lightsaber blade is still active, and it cuts across your chest. Castian spins around just in the nick of time. He feels the heat of the lightsaber against his skin, and he knows he's probably going to be suffering from a burn, but he's not out of this yet. He completes the spin and tries to go high again towards Vader's helmet, hoping that Vader isn't expecting Castian to continue the attack. But this is not Vader's first fight. Not even his first fight where he is outnumbered three to one. He is ready for your attack, and his blade matches yours at every turn. The Amrusian that had been at your side, also annoying Vader more than anything, is beginning to lose his breath. He doesn't have the stamina for a fight that lasts this long. Vader hears the labored breathing and matches it with his own. And there is a deep rumble within the chest of Lord Vader, a rumble of disgust as he stops toying with you, ignoring you completely for a moment to raise his blade, pushing aside the Amrusian's blade with his own before reaching out with the force. And the Amrusian is once again lifted off of his feet, this time continuing to gasp for breath. As you can tell, he's being choked in midair. 
Castian's going to try his best to cut down on Vader's hand. Castian, Vader telekinetically rips the Amrusian's lightsaber from his hand and sends it hurling at you. The blade hits yours with the force of a charging rancor. <laughs> and with that momentary delay, Vader turns his attention back to the Inquisitor in front of him. He squeezes his hand closed, and then there is a snap. The Amrusian's neck snaps, killing him. Castian falls to a knee, gasping for breath, and his eyes just kind of widen, and he shoots a look towards Tremaine as if to say, like, you didn't say Vader is allowed to kill us. Tremaine just looks back at you, impassive, for a moment before averting his eyes. There's a moment of stunned silence. You're not the only one that seems to be surprised by this turn of events. But once again, the older human woman is going to press the advantage. She charges forward again, no longer relying on the element of surprise. She's learned her lesson. She has her lightsaber held up high in her right hand as she just charges forward with a guttural scream, putting all of her energy, much like you at the beginning, into one last charge. Vader stands there, the dead Imrusian agent at his feet, calmly activates his lightsaber once again as the woman charges, and reaches out to make a decisive blow against her arm, and through her arm, her right hand and the deactivated blade fall to the ground, much as she falls to her knees, clutching the stump of her right hand. Castian can't help but see, at the corner of his eye, almost every Inquisitor is touching their right hand. And he kind of just realizes why a lot of the Inquisitors wear gloves on their right hand. And that fear hits Castian like a brick wall. But Castian knows fear, and he knows despair, and he knows pain. So he bottles that up like he always did in the mines, lets out a scream, and tries to stab right at Vader as he stands over this woman. Vader's blade meets you from below. Again, the lightsabers hissing and crackling as they parry each other, the blades sliding up and down against each other as Vader slowly forces your arms up and up. As you stretch your arms up, trying so hard not to lose face in front of Vader, let alone your arm, your split shirt begins to fall open, revealing your chest. And you can tell that Vader is staring intently at the revealed skin. What does he see? Scars. Scars from vibro whips, but more importantly, he sees a collection, almost like merit badges of various symbols, brands, that mark Castian as property, at least to huts. These scars trail up Castian's neck, kind of circling into the back, where there's one last brand that is prominent there. It's, it's that of Jabba the Hutt, a nasty scar that's so deep that Castian doesn't know if surgery would ever remove it. Darth Vader, of course, has an impenetrable mask over his face. But you know somehow, maybe it is your connection to the Force, maybe it's paranoia, but you know that he is staring at these scars that bring you nothing but shame and pain. Castian grits his teeth and says, Those do not define me! And he throws himself forward, 
trying to throw every bit of the force into a telekinetic push. Vader is pushed back an inch. But no more. Your efforts to push against him using the force are like a toddler trying to beat up a mountain. This man is much more powerful than you could ever really even hope to be. But he stands there, silent as a mountain, taking your assault as he continues to stare at your chest. Until finally, with your lightsaber blade still locked, he gives you a push, both with his blade and with the force. Your feet skid across the floor until you slam against the wall, the breath completely knocked from your chest. Those that live may serve. Invader turns with a dramatic flip of his cape and leaves the training arena. And with that, the last bit of energy that Castian was holding onto drains away, and he falls to his knees, trembling. As you tremble on the floor, Castian, a voice echoes in your mind. Such a troublemaker. <laughs> Isa got some nice scars there. Misa approve. Castian blinks and he looks up, finding himself not in the palace any longer, but in a seedy bar. You are in Narshada, sitting across a rickety table from a one-eyed Gungan. Castian adjusts his collar to make sure that that brand is hidden away before clearing his throat. Yes, they're delightful. You're not like some of them others of the Sawbreak. Please... I'm- your accent is throwing me off. I am not like the others of Miss Solbright. Yes, yes. Uh, what- what others? Others. We saw working for the Solbright. Yes, yes, yes. And- and- and speaking of which, if we can continue on, Miss Solbright said you had a job for me. Yes. Yes. Misa have job. Castian snorts before draining the rest of his Corellian ale down his throat and then waves the man forward to continue talking. Use a hearing of Slicer's Folly? Slicer's Folly, is that a casino? No, sir. Is Commerce Guild Cruiser lost during the Clone Wars? A lost Commerce Guild Cruiser. All right, calling me interested. What interest does a professor on Rory, such as Miss Solbright, have in old ships? Tis said that the Scabedal contains a smuggler's ransom. Treasures long ago pilfered from old museums during the height of the Clone Wars. Antiques, artifacts, rare metals, rare and expensive. Huh. And I take it that Miss Albright and yourself have an idea of where it ended up, or am I supposed to scrounge the galaxy for any crashed ship? Das Albright got reliable intermontian that the item on Doran. Doran. Okay, and what is this reliable information? Some of the Scabito's hull was sold to scrap dealer on Doran. Had part of the hull number and on the side. When the dealer ran it through the databanks, the Solbright heard. It was a matching 
with the aid of the whole plot. Ah, uh, yes, well, yes. She's willing to bet that this whole piece is from the ship. I see, I see. Unfortunately, Doran is on the other side of the galaxy, and while a whole plate with a partial number is a riveting start to a treasure hunt, I'm going to decline Miss Sawbright's job offer. No, sir, you are not. Oh? And what makes you say that? The person who sold at the Hald had the scrap dealer was a weird. Weird? That's all right. She's a said you's a weird. Castian cants his head to the side for a second before catching on. Oh, I see. All right. All right, yes, that does change things. How much is she willing to pay for this? 3.6% of the ship's profit. That's all right already reflecting your negotiating skills. 2.6% is a reflection of my negotiating skills? Castian sighs before muttering, Well, she's not wrong. Yusa only gets a paid if Yusa put the Sawbright salvage token on the wreckage before anyone else. Are others going to be after it? Don't know. Maybe. If anyone else looking for it, the whole number and might have caught some attention. Tell me about this person who sold the dealer the whole piece. How are they weird? Me don't know. She said just told you said that Desa were weird. Of course she did. Fine, I'll take the job. Does she have an address of this weird seller? No, sir. Of course she doesn't. Uh, then give me the information of the shop dealer. I'll start my search there. The Gungan hands over a data pad with the information. He also hands you over a thick disc, the salvage token. Castian looks over it before nodding his head. Tell Solbright I'm on it, and that this better pan out better than that supposedly sentient crystal story that she fed me a few months ago. And with that, he is heading out of this place. Leaving this grimy, cramped cantina on Narshada, you walk out into the moon-sized city. Narshada is much like Coruscant, where every square inch of the surface is part of a bustling metropolis. Castian takes a second to light a cigarra and takes a drag from it before looking up at the buildings and the hover vehicles flying above him. Before slipping his cloak over his head and he's moving into the crowd. Castian uh, pulls out his communicator and activates it. Jane? Yes, sir. Miss Solbright uh, did come through with us. She has another assignment for us and she says it's a weird case. Is it a paying case, sir? You know she's good for it, usually. We get what we sow. If this turns up and we succeed, she will pay us whatever fees she gets from finding an archaeological discovery. Will she be paying in advance? No, she won't. But don't worry, I, I was able to sell some of the materials that I, we got on the last job in Wikini, and uh, it's, it should be able to cover my rent, partially. And now I'm going to be heading off towards the starport. You should expect me in, he looks at the time, uh, in 15 or so minutes. Understood. He deactivates his communicator, lets out a sigh of relief, and instead of heading towards the starport, he's actually going to turn down an alleyway and kind of quicken his pace as he's heading off to another building. A, it's a courier's building. You approach the courier's loft. It's a rundown building in a section of the neighborhood that doesn't see a lot of foot traffic. Castian shoots a glance towards some of the scum and villainy that's kind of hovering around, and I think they, they understand that he's not an easy mark. And he quickly crosses the street, enters the shop, and looks around uh, before spotting the Rodian behind the cage desk. I'm here to pick up a package for uh, Praxen. 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 Searching. 
Castian, he goes to lean against the desk and then notice the amount of dust and some sort of slime that's left there, and he just opts not to touch anything. Praxen. The Rodian emerges from the back room carrying a small, nondescript box, just a couple of inches cubed. Castian was standing there, clearly not expecting it, but as soon as the Rodian appears with the box, he straightens up excitedly. Yes, 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 that, that's the one, yes. Praxen. Castian takes it. Castian pays a couple credits down on the desk and nods his head. The Rodian quickly counts the credits, then goes over to a log to note the sale. Uh, Castian, no, instead of bargaining with him, I'm just going to spend one of my destiny points to say Castian tosses a few more credits on the desk, kind of locks eye with the Rodian, and instead of filling out the log, the Rodian just deletes Castian from the system. Sounds good. Castian nods his head and he heads out. And now that he has this box, he's moving as quickly as he can towards the starport, trying to make it there in time so Laris doesn't question. You and Laris have been traveling together, well, for well over a year now, but for a couple of months with her as the sole owner and proprietor of the Howling Gundark. Usually, when you come back to the ship, it's bustling with activity, as Laris is making something of a name for herself as an honest businesswoman, ferrying passengers, equipment, supplies. And at one point, cattle. That was a fun one when we had to deliver nerfs to a moon in the outer region. That wasn't Laris's first choice of a job, but credits are credits. So usually when you come back from your various escapades on a planet... Laris is in the middle of preparing a new shipment. Her analytical mind is excellently attuned to figuring out the best way to crisscross the galaxy, very rarely ending a job without a new one or two in place. But when you come back to the Howling Gundark at the Narshada spaceport, the landing pad is quiet. Castian lets out a curse before rolling his head back in. Sitting at the ramp is not Laris, it is actually Bone. And Bone lets out a low whistle and Castian holds up his hand. He's like, I, I'm sure she didn't look hard enough. And he's just moving up towards the ramp as Bone just kind of gives off a disappointing whistle and just follows behind him. And Castian is just bracing himself as he enters the ship. Laris is there at the top of the ramp to meet you. Oh, yeah. I didn't have to go searching for you. I had nothing else to do. As I warned you, while it is certainly profitable to deliver food supplies to Narshada, very little legitimate business leaves Narshada. Well, then, I've, I've, we've spoke about this, Castian says as he brushes by her. You work in the outer regions and the outer rim and sometimes wild space. He turns towards her and offers a smile. Maybe you should just open up the idea to doing a little bit of illegal work. I mean, it does pay well. Provided that your patrons are not killed in the process of doing their illegal business. That happened one time. Just one time. And you know he had it coming, And Castian says as he enters his room. Castian is now actually in a smaller room. And it's the opposite of where his room had been. His old room has a nice little placard that says Captain's Quarters on it. And Castian throws his cloak onto his bed and then sets the box underneath the cloak before Laris sees it, hopefully. Where do you wish to go next? 
I hope it is somewhere nearby, as I do not wish to have an empty ship for long. Empty ships do not make profit. I understand, Laris. Listen, Sawbright, you know, she's good if we succeed, and it's not so good when we don't succeed. But this is important, and according to our lease agreement, page 7, subsection 16, paragraph 3, if at any time Sawbright says something's weird... It is your job to take me there as I am a paying tenant. And as Castian says, paying tenant, she kind of quirks an eyebrow and Castian lets it aside and reaches into his pocket and pulls out a credit stick and hands it to her. That is most of last month's and this month's. I only have 200 more credits to make and I'm caught up. It's paragraph four. It's paragraph four. You, I'm trying, okay? Who has paragraphs and contracts about renting a bunk? Any self-respecting landlord. Okay, yeah. Castine holds up his hands. We're not self-respecting. We're on the run from the Empire, in case you have forgotten. You may not be self-respecting. I am a businesswoman. You are a businesswoman, yes. And as a businesswoman, you should honor your contract and take us to Doran. Doran is a delightful place. We'll have to stop at the starport uh, when we get there and pick up some rebreathers for me, but I hear it's a lovely planet this time of year. Doran is known for its sudden and extreme weather. Yes, well, we won't be there for long. We're looking for buried treasure. Perhaps that buried treasure will be our payment. Perhaps. A week in hyperspace is a long time to go without a paying job. Alaris, what can I tell you? I assume there'd be someone who wants to pay to get off this damn rock. Narshada is a smuggler's paradise. There are a few reasons why those of illicit means would want to leave. I think you just have high standards, but... Uh, you have the rent, which means this is my room. Thus, he reaches out and just taps the controls and the door closes. And then he quickly turns away and he goes to his cloak and pulls out the box that he was hiding from Laris. And he quickly just does a it's like it's, a, it's like a puzzle box that he has to twist a few things until it snaps open. And inside, it's a little figurine of a nerf. It, it, it looks poorly made, that the paint's chipped and everything, and Castian looks it over, smiles, and then just smashes it on the ground. Castian kneels down, brushes away some of the bits of plaster and whatnot, then pulls out a small data disk. And he walks over to his terminal, sits down in front of it, and pushes the disk in. On the terminal, a video begins playing. It is of Cerise Nabella. Gorin, I hope this message finds you well. It's the rainy season here on Alderaan, but rain in paradise is nothing to complain about. Castian leans back and he reaches out and grabs like a ration bar from his desk and he just starts munching on it as she just goes on about her day and talking about her new duties. And he just, the camera pans on Castian as his serious exterior just kind of starts melting away and a, and a soft, almost playful smile touches his lips. Just as the video message from Cerise Nabella ends, you hear the loading ramp of the Howling Gundark open. Oh, it's lowering again? Yes. Castian stands up, finishes the rest of his ration bar, tosses the wrapper to Laris's trigger, I'm sure, uh, over his shoulder, and then he leaves, uh, brushing the crumbs off his pants. Laris! And he's kind of peeking around the hall. You hear Laris's voice coming from the cockpit, speaking Hutties. Castian wrinkles his nose, not one to ever like the language or the species, but he turns away from the loading dock and he heads over to the cockpit to see what Laris is doing. Crossing your path is Skitter. Oh, God, we need to put a bell on you. Sir, sir, 
We have a guest approaching. A, a guest? Someone's actually legitimate on this moon? That is the message that the captain has received. He should be approaching any minute now. I am to greet him. Then go. Get out of my sight, you creepy metallic arachnoid. Castian like shudders before poking his head into the cockpit, waiting for Laris to finish her conversation, of course. You hear her give a curt goodbye in Hutties, and she stands up from her chair. Got a job? Indeed, the traffic authorities here at the spaceport alerted me that there is a gentleman who is seeking immediate passage off of the moon. A legitimate man? His credits certainly seem legitimate. He is a galactic entrepreneur. Well, look at that. Wasn't I right to say that you'll find fame and fortune if you followed my advice? If you'll excuse me, I need to meet my fully paying customer. Oh, no, no, by all means, Castian says as he steps aside and waves a hand down the hall. I'm just going to follow you because it's kind of like finding a, a one-horned nerf, the, the only legitimate businessman on Narshadar. And he's just following her, kind of just teasing her like a brother would a sister. And the irritating thing about teasing Laris is she never lets it show. So as you follow her down the hallways of the Howling Gundark, she is completely impassive as your teasing just bounces off of her. I'm sure this is, he's a charitable joke. Perhaps he's even a priest. You know, we need one of those. I mean, I, I, I like the sermons of Skidder, but I, I just don't really think he sells well as a religious figure. Waiting at the top of the ramp is Skidder. Captain, he approaches. Casting just kind of leans against the, the bulkhead, waiting to see who this legitimate man is. Or woman. You see a pair of very shiny boots first approaching the bottom of the loading ramp. Then a, a dark hand reaches out, bracing itself against the rather low clearance of the loading ramp, before a man ducks his head underneath in order to begin walking. He is dressed splendidly in crisp crimson pants that don't have a speck of dust or grime on them. His shirt is a dark purple, and around his shoulders is a red cape lined in gold. As he walks up the ramp, carrying just a simple bag slung over his shoulder, he makes eye contact with Laris. Well, well, what have we here? He reaches out for her hand, takes it. She offers no resistance as he leans down and kisses it. Castian flicks his eyes from the man towards Laris and the man again, kind of waiting for Laris to do her patent, pull away and scoff. Laris seems to be frozen in place for a moment. And then she coughs. Which you could swear was covering up a giggle. <clears throat> uh, sir, welcome to the Howling Gundark. I'm Jane, the captain of the Howling Gundark. I'm Lando Calrissian. What kind of name is that? Castian says before smirking at him. Lando looks up at you, smirks back. He's still holding Laris's hand. But with his opposite arm, he shrugs off his bag. Ah, thank you for volunteering to take my bag, sir. Castian immediately frowns and straightens up. But he looks towards Laris, looks back towards this supposedly le legitimate businessman, 
and sighs before reaching out and takes the man's bag. Of course, you get the top bunk. Castian turns on his heels and he's marching towards Castian's room, which is also not so Castian's room when they have passengers. Castian's going to not even he's not going to enter the room. He's going to stop at the doorway and just chuck the bag onto the bunk, the top bunk, hopes it makes it and then turns back and walks back towards the two. I understand, sir, that you are seeking passage to Canto Bite. I am afraid that along the way we must make another stop. As you un- must understand, there are multiple clients seeking my attention. Naturally, I wouldn't expect anything less from such a charming outfit as you have here. Well, yes, I am due on Canto Bite for a high-stakes card game... It would be an honor to spend some time exploring the galaxy with a creature such as yourself. Castian just rolls his eyes the, just into the back of his head before finally clearing his throat for Lyris's sake. Uh, Captain, <clears throat> we should be going soon. Yes, I am aware. Good. Uh, sir, your bag awaits you. Please don't touch my stuff. It's on the bottom bunk. If you don't mind, Captain. I have an affinity for ships. I would love to spend some time exploring it before I retire to my quarters. Absolutely, we do have a spare seat on the bridge. That's my seat, Castian mumbles as they just kind of brush past him and Castian, like, squints towards the back of both of them before muttering. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. Just ignore me. Take my seat. It's not like I'm here or anything like that. You hear the clicking sound of Skitter's legs on the deck plating. I know exactly how you feel, sir. And Castian just walks away, ignoring him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.